Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and today was a big day for housing data because we got the gold standard when it comes to home prices. That would be the Case-Shiller Index out on Tuesday. And let's just say a lot of good data. A lot of good data to get to and then some. And as I mentioned, it is kind of the gold standard that everyone looks to when you're looking at home prices. So let's just jump right into the report. And it showed what I think we all knew it was going to show. And that was that the housing market once again is heating back up. So if you remember, the Case-Shiller Index lags. It's about three months behind. So it's February. We're just getting December data. And it's showing that things started to uptick in December, which we were talking about here on the program. You know, there was data out there from, say, Altos Research does great job week to week data showing that all of a sudden inventory levels were dropping. And now everyone assumed that, okay, well, it's December. So housing inventory is always low. There's not a lot of volume in December. Everyone's you know kind of getting over Thanksgiving. They're preparing for Christmas. They're, you know, planning trips, going to visit family. They're getting ready for the new year and no one's really buying homes. So, okay, inventory levels are low. We'll expect that. But then we know in January, they remained low. They didn't, we didn't see an increase. And we went, okay, something's going on. And that was the housing market, which we expected was going to be cooling off, is not cooling off. And so that's what we saw in the report that came out yesterday and what's interesting is that economists had projected that there was there there was going to be a slight decrease and there was not so the u.s national home price index held at 18.8 percent year over year growth while the 10 city and 20 city composites saw a slight uptick so the 10 city composite was up 0.1 percent to 17 percent and the 20 city composite was up 0.3% to 18.6. And that's important because the economists were projecting the 20 city composite was going to fall from 18.3 to 18%. So that's, a, that's six tenths of a percent miss, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But I, I, and I'm not blaming the economists going, oh, look at these dumb economists. I'm just pointing out that that is how big this swing was in December. I mean, we're supposed to see a drop. We don't see a drop. We actually see a uptick. Now, month over month, the national index was up almost 1%, 0.9%. 10 city was up a full percent. And the 20 city composite, this explains it, was up 1.1% month over month. And just so you know, this is the highest calendar year increase in the 34 years of data and was substantially ahead of the hot housing market in 2020, which only saw 10.4% year-over-year gains. And a lot of that, you have to assume, because the end of 2020 was just crazy hot, it was the beginning of the year. You know, everything was pretty normal, a good housing market, the start of the year, then COVID hit, everyone thinks the housing market's going to collapse. No one's buying homes in March, not a lot. And then when rates dropped and you know the Fed did what it did, and so all of a sudden, boom, uh, people are buying homes and the housing market took off and it hasn't really looked back. We saw a little bit of a dip, 
But now here we are once again on the rise. And of course, you've seen this name before. Phoenix, Arizona continues to lead all housing markets. <laughs> this number is just so crazy. 32.5% year-over-year growth. 32.5%. Uh, number two, actually, interestingly enough, number two and three are both Florida cities. Uh, Tampa and Miami. Tampa was up 29.4%. And Miami was uh, number three, up 27.3%. Craig Lazara, managing director at S&P DGI, noted that the slight deceleration we recently saw um, has ended. <laughs> it's, it's over. We're back on the rise again. Uh, saying, quote, we have noted that for the past several months, home prices have been rising at a very high but decelerating rate. That deceleration paused in December as year-over-year changes in all three composite indices were slightly ahead of their November levels. December's 18.8% gain for the national composite is the fifth highest reading in history. And of course, all those readings I think happening this year, maybe maybe one or two in 2020, but I think most of them were in 2021. And here's the thing. It's not just Case Schiller, because as we all know, Case Schiller is released. That gets a lot of attention. But also the what comes out exactly the exact same time, 9 a.m., uh, was the Federal Housing Finance Agency's Home Price Index. That comes out at the exact same time. And it also showed an uptick to end the year. They have home price appreciation a little lower at 17.5%, but it was up in comparison to the previous quarter. So this is the quarterly data looking at the fourth quarter of 2021. Like I said, home price is up 17.5% year over year, but quarter over quarter, a 3.3% increase to end, like I said, 2021. So what it's showing is that that dip that everyone was expecting didn't happen <laughs> or that we, when we saw it it went right back up it didn't it wasn't a continuous decline uh, as we all know housing prices are now moving back up once again home prices were up in all 50 states duh with Arizona leading the pack I'm assuming Arizona or Phoenix is probably playing a large part in this uh, Arizona was up the entire state. year over year. Utah was number two, up 27.1%, followed by Idaho, Florida, and Tennessee, rounding out the top five. And just so you know, uh, Idaho was up 27%, Florida 25.6%, and Tennessee was up 24.1%. And here's an interesting note. Washington, D.C., I know it's not a state. They want to become one. It's not going to happen. At least I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> As someone who used to live there, I hope it doesn't happen. DC saw the smallest price appreciation up just 6.6%. Can you imagine that? The worst year of all the states, still up 6.6%. And I'll tell you the reason why that is. If you go back and look at the data from 2008, when you know housing markets across the country were seeing, in some cases, maybe double-digit dips, uh, DC did not see a big drop with regards to home prices because of how much government money flows into that area. I think it's like $10 flow in for every $1 that goes out. It's just, it's nuts. And when the economy hit the skids, what happened? Government started spending. And a lot of that money stayed in the DC area as it always does. And so they never saw a huge drop in prices so that's why you're not seeing, because homes cannot go up really anymore in D.C. 
I mean, if you if you were to chart this, I can only imagine they're probably over a timeline from 2008 are pretty close to where everything else is, if not above that. And so that's why you're just seeing slower appreciation there because they never saw a big dip like other markets did. Uh, in case you're warning about regions, the mountain region led all regions with 23.1% year over year appreciation, followed by the South Atlantic was number two, up 20%, and the Pacific was number three, up 19.4. So we kind of knew it was going to happen. And that was home prices are back up. The question is, this is the big question, what are these rate hikes? Not, not from the Fed. I'm talking about what's happening in the mortgage industry already when you're looking at mortgage rates at 4%. The last report we got, I think the mortgage bankers had them above 4%. Freddie Mac was right around, right around four. That was a week ago and rates, you know, they fluctuate every single day, but for the most part, they seem to be above 4% and then some. And so what impact is that going to have on the housing market? Because the one thing that's fascinating about what's happening right now is that rents that we've talked about are also skyrocketing. And so people are going, oh my gosh, home prices are skyrocketing. There's a bubble, there's gonna be a crash, oh my gosh. And this is sort of the argument that I make when people talk about the US dollar and they say, we're printing all this money. And obviously this is one of the reasons why we have inflation, but everyone says, oh my gosh, the dollar is gonna lose so much value. Everyone's gonna flee the United States. And my answer always is, not that I like the printing of money, but my answer always is, where are they gonna go? Everyone is printing money worse than we are. And so when you look at the housing market, you don't look at it in a vacuum. It's not happening independent of everything else. And so, sure, home prices are going up, rates are going up. But if rents are also going up and they are going up more, it still makes sense to buy. And so that's why even though rates are reaching that 4% number, which Trust me, a year ago, if you would have asked anyone what would happen if rates hit 4%, they would say, oh, the market would collapse. I mean, to be honest with you, I think I saw that prediction like six months ago. And what's happened? It hasn't collapsed. <laughs> sure, maybe demand has dropped a little bit, but there's still bidding wars. There's still high demand. There's still no inventory. And the number one reason, because the alternative is scaring a lot of people of what's happening in the rental markets. Now, that's why something at some point is going to have to give. It's just, it, it's going to have to because you're reaching the point where rents are unaffordable and homes are unaffordable. And so who's going to be the first to kind of slow down? And more than likely, my somewhat educated, but I'm not an economist, my prediction would be home prices. You're going to start seeing home prices start to slow more so than rents because home prices have been skyrocketing for almost, what, two years? Rents took a big dip in 2020, didn't really turn around until 2021. So because housing was, housing you know purchases were ahead, it makes more sense that rents still have some room to grow versus say home prices. But <laughs> with everything that's happening with the Fed and everything else, it's it's, very difficult to predict, as we have noticed many a times here on the pod. Uh, before we go, I did want to touch on consumer confidence because this plays into everything, right? I mean, housing is a part of consumer confidence, and we always get consumer confidence on the same day as Case Schiller and the Home Price 
index and consumer confidence fell in February, but here's the good news, not as much as expected. This according to the consumer, excuse me, the conference board's consumer confidence conference index. There we go. The consumer confidence index fell 0.6 to 110.5 in February, which economists had projected it would drop all the way to 110. So they did beat expectations. They beat the street, but it wasn't by a massive amount. It's not like with home prices where instead of falling, they actually increased. In this case, they still fell. They just didn't fall as much. But it's also important to remember that the Consumer Confidence Index is still up almost 20 points from where we were a year ago when they had an index of 91.3. So people forget how much better this economy was than where we were one year ago. And sure, people, I think vaccines were just kind of getting out there. Uh, but for the most part, things were were shut down. Lynn Franco, Senior Director of Economic Indicators at the Conference Board, noted that consumer confidence remains elevated despite rising inflation concerns, saying, quote, concerns about inflation rose again in February after posting back-to-back declines. Now, despite this reversal, consumers remain relatively confident about short-term growth prospects while or excuse me, while they do not expect the economy to pick up steam in the near future, they also do not foresee conditions worsening. Nevertheless, confidence in consumer spending will continue to face headwinds from rising prices in the coming months. And that, of course, comes from the present situation index and the expectation index. Obviously, the present situation, looking at what's happening now, that's strong. That is at 145.1. It actually increased to 145.1, but the expectation index declined again, now at 87.5. So a pretty big spread there between what people are thinking about the economy now versus what they think is going to be happening with the economy. So that's important to note because let's face it, as home prices rise, mortgage payments rise, or rents rise, which are all happening at the same time, if more and more of people's money is going to home cost, shelter, that's less money they have to spend. And so that could impact consumer confidence. And so consumer confidence, that index could be a good indicator if home prices are having an impact on the way consumers are acting in the economy. So if we're starting to see consumer confidence drop, it could be because of what is happening with the housing market. So it's always important to keep an eye on not only what's happening in housing, but what's happening with the overall economy because they're all interconnected. The beauty of capitalism, beauty of our economy and the way it works. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Of course, coming out today in a little bit at 7 a.m., we'll get mortgage demand and mortgage rate data. I have a feeling that rates are going to be staying over 4%. I just got a feeling, but we'll talk about it on tomorrow's podcast. So you guys enjoy your Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.